You'll turn with me to John chapter 13. John chapter 13. Beginning with verse 1, it says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, having loved his own who were in the world, he loved them to the end. Just a quick note in, in that moment. This can be a sense of timing, that he loved them up until this hour. But that word also means he loved them to the maximum extent of what love can mean. The reckless love of God. During supper, when the devil had already put into the heart of Judas Iscariot, Simon's son, to betray him, Jesus, knowing that the Father had given him all things into his hands and that he had come from God and was going back to God, rose from supper. He laid aside his outer garments, and taking a towel, he tied it around his waist. Then he poured water into a basin and began to wash the disciples' feet and to wipe them with the towel that he had wrapped around him. He came to Simon Peter, who said to him, Lord, do you, do you wash my feet? Jesus answered, What I am doing you do not understand now, but afterward you will understand. Peter said to him, you shall never wash my feet. Jesus answered him, If I do not wash you, you have no share with me. Simon Peter said to him, Lord, not my feet only, but also my hands and my head. Jesus said to him, The one who is bathed does not need to wash except for his feet, but is completely clean. You are clean, but not every one of you. For he knew who was to betray him. That is why he said, not all of you are clean. And when he had washed their feet and put on his outer garments and resumed his place, he said to them, Do you understand what I've done to you? You call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example that you also should be able to do just as I have done to you. Truly I say to you, a servant is not greater than his master, nor the messenger greater than the one who sent him. If you know these things, blessed are you if you do them. Our Heavenly Father, Lord, we want to come to the table together today. Lord, we want to come to the table of your word and of your presence. And so, Lord, I pray that you would set aside any distractions from our heart or for our spirit. Lord, I pray that we would hear your voice anew and afresh today. We pray this in your name. Amen. As we come to the table this morning, well, we do what we, we want to do every time that we come and we gather, but particularly when we come to the table, we want to, we want to move ourselves from these shiny plates, and we want to find ourselves afresh in that upper room above the dusty streets of Jerusalem, and put ourselves in that probably stuffy room 
with all of those disciples. The, the four Gospels help us to take that journey. Matthew, Mark, and Luke, and John, all four of them talk about what happened in that room on that night before Jesus is betrayed, before he is crucified. All of the Gospels take us there. But what's interesting is that Matthew, Mark, and Luke, rightly so, focus on the bread and the cup. And they tell us about the, the meaning of the bread and the cup. And it was so important for the disciples to know that Jesus was transforming this Passover celebration to be the, the celebration of our eternal salvation and, and, and death being defeated and sin being defeated in our lives. And so he tells them that this is my body that's broken for you and my blood that's poured out for you. Words that they did not understand in that moment but would suddenly come into sharp focus within hours as Jesus' body was broken and his blood was poured out. But it's interesting, John doesn't mention the bread and the cup. He, he does not take the time to join Matthew, Mark, and Luke to talk about, this is my body that is broken for you, this is my cup that's poured out for you. But he tells us about the same events in the same upper room on the same night, and he says there's a different lesson that you also have to learn. And he tells the story of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. The other Gospels don't mention it, but John does. And I think it's just as important that we understand the theology of the table and what the theology of Jesus' death means, but I think that it's just as important that we understand the heart and the spirit of Jesus washing the disciples' feet. Now, several weeks ago, I had kind of lined up that this was the passage that I was going to speak this morning. And so I already was kind of running through my head, okay, this is the passage, it's John chapter 13, it's the foot washing. And so I, I kind of started to, to work through my introduction about how the disciples were arguing about who was going to wash whose feet and, and whose turn it should be, should it be this disciple or this disciple and all of these things. And so when I picked up the text to study for the message, I was surprised we always talk about those arguments amongst the disciples, but did you notice in John chapter 13, it doesn't even mention arguments from the disciples. The passage starts with Jesus. Jesus arose from the table, and he took off his outer garments, and he grabbed, and he filled the basin, and he took the towel, and he began. There's no conversation at all about the disciples arguing about whose turn it was to wash their sheet, each other's feet. You know why that is? I don't think it even crossed their mind that one of them would wash the feet of the other disciples. You see, you have to understand that this was a common practice that after you've been walking on those dusty roads, wherever it was that you were going from this place to that place, even if you were just going from one part of town to the other, you kind of picked up some grime. And as you reclined at table uh, to eat, then somebody's feet was far too close to your face and to your meal. And so they would have a, a servant or a slave that would, that would wash people's feet. And whatever it was the disciples that had been assigned with taking care of the preparations for this meal, they did not arrange for a servant slash slave to do foot washing. And so they probably walked into the room, and they may have huffed. Huh, somebody dropped the ball. No slave. Because here's the thing. The only people that washed feet were slaves. Well, not Hebrew slaves. Because the law 
the tradition said that if you were a Jewish slave, well, foot washing was beneath you. Now, there was an interesting footnote that it wasn't just non-Hebrew slaves that did foot washing, but sometimes wives and children did foot washing. So you, you can kind of start to work the pecking order there. You, you've got slaves, non-Hebrew slaves, wives, and children. And so when the disciples walked into that room, said, well, I'm not a slave, I'm not a non-Hebrew slave, I'm certainly not anybody's wife, and I'm not your kid. And so I don't think that it even crossed their mind that somebody from that table was going to get up and wash somebody else's feet. But those were the rules. Non-Hebrew slaves, wives, and children. Now, I want you to know that those rules did not come from the Word of God. I want you to know those were not God's rules. God did not say, listen, foot washing is really dirty, it's really messy, and so slaves only, but not Hebrew slaves, but wives and children, sure. I will tell you, that's just one of those pieces where we have just a little bit of a snapshot, where we have conveniently built in traditions that serve well the people on the top of the social structure. That wasn't biblical. God never said, this is who's supposed to do this. It was a convenient tradition that served well the people who made the traditions. But watch what Jesus does. Jesus gets up from that table. A table full of people that said, why, I would never. It never even crossed their mind that somebody from that table would wash someone else's feet. But Jesus arises and he gets up. Sometimes I, I try to put myself in that room, and I think this is what happened. They went from never having crossed their mind to watching Jesus and it says that Jesus arose from the table. They're like, well, where's he going? What, 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 what's going on? Then Jesus takes off his robes. There's some sense he, he may have taken off two layers of robes. He walks across the room and finds a pitcher of water. He finds a basin, and he begins, and he finds a towel, and he begins to work his way to the first person at the table. You want to talk about slow motion in the minds of the disciples. What, what, no, no, that's no, what, what? And while it never crossed their mind, this unfolding of step by step of Jesus getting up, disrobing, gathering the basin, gathering the water, gathering the towel, coming to each one of the disciples must have taken eternity in their mind for it to unfold in front of them. In fact, it was so startling that you get to Peter, and Peter's like, you're, you're, you're not going to wash my feet, are you? <laughs> Jesus says, listen, you don't understand it now, you'll understand it later. And then Peter says, you will never wash my feet. Now, it doesn't say this in the text, but I believe that what followed was the largest eye roll in all of history. I think Jesus is like, 
Peter, does it never stop? Does it never stop? And then Peter says, don't just wash my, my feet, but my hands. My... Peter, for one minute, this isn't about you. And, and in fact, this is the whole point that Jesus is trying to show. This is not about you. You don't have to be the center. You don't have to be the middle of this thing. This thing doesn't have to be built around you. So what does this mean to us? It means the next time we're in the room together, you're the foot washer. I mean, that, that's pretty basic. Well, what this passage of Scripture means, next time you're in a room together and you look around and you see that there's something that needs to be done and you're like, well, I have no idea who was supposed to do this, but I'm not doing this. You're the foot washer. The person that looked at you in the mirror today, you're the foot washer. Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord and you're right to call me that. High titles of respect. But then he says, if I, who is your teacher and your Lord, and you understand that I'm the Son of God, <laughs> that if I wash your feet, you're the foot washers. The next time that there is a task that nobody wants to do, it's you. Now, we have a difficult time processing this. I, I've tried to figure this out in different Church traditions handle this differently, and some of them have a practice of regular foot washing, and I've been part of some foot washing services. But I'm fairly certain that this teaching is not limited to an event that happens inside of a church worship service. It means that we get dirty for one another. It means that we put other people in front of us. It means that we humble ourselves. A funny thing happened coming to church this morning. I, I come on Sunday mornings and I got the sermon rolling around in my head. I'm trying to figure out what part's going to fall apart, what part's going to work, anything that needs to be shuffled, what, what's going to think. So I'm, I'm, uh, all morning I'm just processing and rolling it in. And so this morning I come through and I, I open up one of the doors. I'm sure this doesn't happen at your house, but, but we apparently here at church have some of those little termite things that are attracted to the night and they just leave these carcasses all over the place. And so as I walked in the door, there were, let me count, a million termite carcasses on the floor. <laughs> and I walked by and I thought, man, someone's going to have to clean that up this morning. I'm the foot washer. So I found the broom and I found the dustpan. Because Jesus says, if I can wash your feet... And you walk by a pile of termite carcasses. You're the sweeper. That's you. What Jesus does here is he turns his whole thing on his head. He says that you are humble. You serve. You put yourself. You find the things that no one else wants to do. And you pour yourself into other people. Now, of course... Jesus about, is about to do something that's even bigger than that. 
if the disciples were stunned by the fact that he washed their feet, he is hours away from dying on a cross voluntarily when even his enemies had it right that if he wanted to he could have called 10,000 angels and wipe out that city. But he washed their feet as a starting point and said watch this. And then he poured out his life just like he had poured out that basin of water into that bowl. And then even bigger than that, do you know why he died voluntarily? Because I'm a sinful rebel. See, it's, it's not just that Jesus died this heroic death. It is that he died that heroic death voluntarily for the purpose of carrying and defeating my sin and yours. So foot washing, <laughs> man, that's just the first note. But Jesus tells us, if I can do this for you, I know you can do this for each other. Now in a moment, we're going to remember Jesus' death and his resurrection. And there, there's one final note here that we have to circle back to Peter for just a moment. And my word to you is, man, don't be like Peter. Because Peter had this, he had this wall around his heart that says, Jesus, I, I won't let you do that for me. I, I'm not going to allow you to do that for me. I'm not going to allow you to serve me in that way. I'm not going to allow you to embarrass me by washing my feet. <laughs> Peter had the ability, because he was human, to take one part humility and mix in 99 parts pride. And that's what he does in this whole thing. But let me tell you, the message this morning is that Jesus Christ voluntarily poured out his life for you. And sometimes there is a sense of pride that says, I'm not interested in receiving that. I'd rather work for it. I, I would rather earn it. I, I would rather do something that was more intellectually my style. Jesus says to Peter, if you're not washed, you cannot know me. As we come to the table and we celebrate and we remember Jesus' death and his resurrection, this is not just a worship moment, it is a historical reminder, but it is also an invitation to you if you have never said yes to Jesus, not just washing your feet, but washing your very soul, then that's the invitation for you to respond to that this morning.
Let me pray. We're going to reflect as we prepare to take the table. But there's also the opportunity, as Mackie plays, there's also the opportunity that if for whatever reason Jesus has been walking up to your life repeatedly and like Peter, you have said, no, you're not doing that for me. That maybe this is the moment, maybe this is the day that you put your life under his grace and under his authority and you let him wash you completely. That can happen in the quiet of where you are right now because it's not a conversation with this church. It's not a conversation with this preacher. It's not a conversation with anybody else. It's your heart to the heart of the Father and his reckless love for you. Let us pray.